Welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Brandon. Alongside me is Scott in the studio. Hey, Scott. Hey. Happy holidays, everybody. And uh, remotely today, we have Wick, as always. Wick, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, hello, Brandon. Hello, Scott. Goodbye, Matt. Goodbye, Alfredo. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're recording this on the final day of the winter meetings. Um, the Reds decided to wait until the day that we were recording to make all of their moves, so we appreciate them for that. Well, you always get the best deals the last day of the season. It's true. It's true. When uh, when I wrote about the Red, Reds Fest preview, I, I used that same tip. You wait till the last. Yeah. That's when you get all the bargains. Well, so, Walt, Walt woke up I today. Guess, he got an extra 25% off at Macy's. So Yeah. Know. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, how the offseason has gone so far for the Reds. Um, we haven't really uh, had a podcast since the end of the season. So um, we want to talk about that. And then, um, you know, where the Reds are headed for the rest of the offseason. I mean, we're, we'll probably have, um, you know, a handful more podcasts here between now and opening day. But, um you know, let's start with the winter meetings. Obviously, it was very eventful for the Reds. Um, they ended up trading two of their starting rotation members today. They traded Alfredo Simon to the Tigers and uh, Matt Latos to the Marlins. So um, let's let's start with the Simon deal. Um, I think that was the first one in my head because it was the first one to happen. They uh, traded him to the Tigers and got... Uh, shortstop Eugenio Suarez, Crawford. Jonathan Crawford, who's a pitching prospect. I uh, think his last spent last year in High A ball. I want to say is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And but um, was there the Tigers' number one first round pick in uh, 2013? So you know when you look at what they got for Alfredo Simon, to me it seems like. They did pretty well here. Um, you know, Simon was a guy coming off a career year. Um, honestly, a really a career half year, you could even say. Um, just with the first half of this, this last season, how great he was. You know, he kind of fell off a cliff after the All-Star break and just kind of limped into the offseason. It was actually was scheduled to have a pretty sizable pay increase here. I think he was... What was what did he make in 2014? Do you guys remember? He made like a million and a half. Right, and he was about, and he'll he'll probably end up jumping to over five million. Yeah, I think I saw for, for 2015. It was estimated so. like five point three five, five point yeah. four five. So yeah, he's, he's still an arb eligible guy, but he's old. I mean, he's not right. Guy, so. well, yeah, this is going to be his 34 year old season this uh, coming up in 2015, correct? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, when you look at his arb-eligible years, this has easily been the most valuable year that he's had. I mean, a big jump from being a bullpen guy who, when he was in the bullpen, he was fine. But to being an all-star starting pitcher, you know, he he was scheduled to have a pretty big pay jump. Um, didn't really seem like the kind of guy that the Reds wanted to keep around after – 2014 or 2015. Yeah, not a great, not necessarily a great clubhouse guy, or at least there well, hasn't been any real indication that he is a great clubhouse guy. Definitely not a great PR guy. Yeah, he, he's not. He's not the kind of guy, character-wise, that you know you want associated with your team, um, just from some past allegations. 
And, you know, and there was a, we talked about this on the site earlier today about, you know, what, what do you lose out of the clubhouse when you lose Alfredo Simon? And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't subscribe to there being that many issues there. I think that, you know, he, he was pretty cool with everybody. It seemed like fitted well with the Dominican guys. What I find yeah. interesting is that uh, it's once again the Reds trading away a guy who wasn't drafted and developed by the Reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you look at the pattern of who they've decided to hold on to and decided to jettison over the last several years, I, I don't know if that's a strategy or if it's just pure coincidence or not. But uh, you know, the major league guys, Drew Stubbs is really the only one who's been let go that came up through the Reds system. Aside from that, they got it, brought you in, let him go. You know, let Arroyo go. Who, it's been a long time red, but wasn't developed as a red. Uh, Broxton got sent out. Um, yeah. And of the starters today, they held on to Leak. They held on to Bailey and Simon. Bailey last offseason. And, you know, it's Latos that's gone and Simon had gone and Cueto's still around. So right. it's, I don't know if that's a, a, a dedicated decision that they've chosen to take or if it's just pure coincidence. But, you know, I don't know if that's a clubhouse thing because they don't get along as well with other people or if just the other guys were on buses in the minor leagues together in a ball five years ago. And, uh, Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that they, they value a little bit extra. I don't know. It could also be somewhat of a calculated decision too, because they are able to keep clean records of their pitch counts and their injury history. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to going off of scouting reports on how somebody was like when they were with the Padres, they're going off of, how they were like when they were with the same guy that's still there in Louisville and the same guy that's now there in uh, in Dayton. So that that certainly makes sense, and I didn't recognize that pattern until you brought it up, Wick. So that's mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting. The, the the other thing that I think is also interesting uh, uh, with regards to Simon, I know in terms of uh, criticism that the Reds received, they received a fair amount of it by not trading him at the All-Star break last year. Mm-hmm. And even I saw some of those uh, you know, uh, concerns rise up again today by saying, well, his value was so much higher uh, you know, at the All-Star break. But I didn't see any proposed trades or any speculative trades yeah. you know, at the All-Star break to suggest what we would have gotten then would have been any better than what we got today. Because I think what we got today was extremely good, and it's probably as good as we probably would have gotten mid-year, even without Simon's second-half regression. Right. right. And, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this time 12 months ago, this time nine months ago, Alfredo Simon was the third best arm in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you yeah. look up now and you consider you've got a young, cost-controlled uh, middle infielder, which the Reds have none of in the minors that are close, um, and uh, an arm is a former first-round pick, that's a heck of a return. And for all intents and purposes, for as good as the run Simon had the first part of last year was – I'm not necessarily sure he was one of the five best starters on the Reds for next year anyway, you know, mm-hmm. and that's re- regardless of the fact that you look at his workload and think that the Reds might have to begin to limit some of the stuff that he does because of how uh, uh, durable and effective he was in 2014. Uh, that innings jump was a red flag. His second mm-hmm. half was a red flag. His effectiveness in the bullpen and how bad the bullpen was was of note. And yeah. I'm not sure the Reds – 
seriously consider the fact that he was going to be one of the five best starters next year anyway. Uh, the Tigers might think he can start and do just fine for him, but at the same point, uh, I think given what they got in return, whether they were shopping him or not, and we know Walt said he was listening on a lot of guys, but I'm, I get the feeling he was shopping Simon, mm-hmm. and this was a deal he couldn't say no to, and it just it came together I mean, perfectly. I yeah, think. I don't and, think. Yeah, and you you raised the point, Wick. If he gets, you know, should he get arbed? And he's not one of the five best players. He's going to be in the bullpen. Do we, again, want to go over $5 million on a bullpen arm that's not even, you know, a uh, top-of-the-line closer? He's not your closer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, Uh, you know, it's basically Broxton and Sean Marshall, Virgin, Virgin, good Lord, uh, (laughs) Virgin 2.0. When you look at, you know, the timing of the trade where you were talking about how they might have been able to – the criticism that they've had for not trading him at the trade deadline last year. Well, and I, I think that there was still a lot of question marks at that point whether he was going to be able to keep it up as a starter. Thrown into the rotation as an emergency guy and was there and performing and you know, decided they decided to keep him in there when um, Tony Sangrani – became healthy right and i mean you look and at his you look at his year, uh monthly and you know quarter and half season mark splits yeah they may be a bit of concern mm-hmm. but at the end of the day he had a strong year he had a strong mm-hmm. 2014 and if you're a team like the tigers where honestly you're probably going to be in a dog fight with four or five other clubs you need as many players he's, that can have strong but years he, he's the kind of guy there where if you're the a tiger's and you can put him in the fourth spot in your rotation. You you can do some damage with him there. He can eat some innings for you. He get pitched what 190 something innings for the Reds last year. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's a role player for a team like the Tigers. Right. And, and to that point, I think Wall Jockey played this perfectly with him. We'll mm-hmm. get into latest, you know, later. But with Simon. <laughs> Simon made 1.5 million bucks last year, threw 120 innings more last year than he did the year before mm-hmm. for nothing. In eight innings, that didn't have to go to any of the younger starters in mm-hmm. August and September. Uh, they covered for Homer Bailey being injured, covered for Matt Latos being injured. In a lost season for basically, in modern baseball terms, a million and a half bucks for nothing. Mm-hmm. He rode this guy in a role he's not used to. Uh, for 196 solid innings, and then flipped him for two guys that he's got control over for six well, years. And, and keep and that in that's mind too. Impressive. You know how he acquired Simon. He was a waiver was, pickup. Yeah, he was DFA'd yeah. by the uh, Orioles. By the O's. Yeah. So you know they they just kind of took a chance on him. They had a, a roster spot open going into opening day. Was it 2011? Well, yeah, because he was a, he was a guy that stole Frazier's spot. That's right. Yeah, they, that's they right. took him and said they took him on the opening day roster instead of Frazier. That's right. Yeah, because Frazier hit like uh, like seven fifty or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, you know, it was a guy that they they basically got for nothing and then ended up flipping for oodles of cost control. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I mean, when you look at the moves that Walt Jockeys made, this has to be up there. In one of the best moves that he's made as Reds general manager. Yeah, it, it definitely yeah, is one of the better ones. And, you know, it, it's a good thing that he makes moves like that to try to compensate for 
issues such as overpaying for Skip Schumacher and overpaying well, for Ryan Ludwig. Mm-hmm. And, you know... It, it <laughs> <laughs> we, we got, like, 13 minutes, 10, 11, 13 minutes in without saying, mentioning Skip Schumacher. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's like, you like, ah! You know, and he, and here and here's the thing with and here's the thing with with most of the act. The thing that concerned me was that going into you know today, more or less, there were a lot of rumors, and even Walt intonated as such that we've got to cut payroll by a seven by about seventeen million. Mm-hmm. When you do the math and you run the numbers, uh, that seventeen million came in part from overpaying for Sean Marshall. Overpaying for uh, what's owed this year on Ryan Ludwig, overpaying for Skip Schumacher, you're basically left with dealing with mm-hmm. uh, those errors, and those errors are basically what took you from black and put you in the red. Sure, I mean, and on top of that, we've known this for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah this isn't big additions last year. Yeah, this and isn't new information. And if this team won the NLDS last year, advanced the NLCS, and lost to the Giants or whoever else there, they were still going to have to trade two to three pitchers right. to make the payroll for next year. Yeah. So it's it's this not is, a, a performance based issue or a surprise. This is yeah. This was all inevitable. This did not sneak up on anybody. We've yeah, been yeah. we've been throwing. It was inevitable and it was preventable too. That's yeah. oh sure. Lose, when you hold your pitchers to the last year of salary arbitration and you've got. Five pitchers that are all good enough to get to that point. I'm mm-hmm. lumping Homer in that from last year. Yeah. Uh, when you reach that point, everybody else sees it too. I mean, there's no hiding the fact that oh, <laughs> you've got a lot of decisions to make. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're you're making a conscious decision to get that extra year out of those guys, but at the same point, you're not trading them for uh, you know a Christian Yelich who's got five years of team control left. Teams don't do that. That's that's true, but I think if there's one thing that we saw from the winter meetings and a lot of the transactions that occurred, this is still, it's still a seller's market as opposed to a buyer's market. When you look even so far in terms of the free agent sightings with Lester to what the Dodgers gave up and what they got in return as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, just the, uh, in addition, the Kemp trade and the uh, Cespedes. D. Gordon deal. Well, yeah, I... Yeah, in the Cespedes trade. I mean, it's still more or less a, uh, you know, the sellers or the individuals that came back with, that got a lot of the prospects mm-hmm. came back with pretty good hauls. And I think the Reds are lumped into that category today. I, I would think so. And actually, speaking of the return that they got for the Simon deal, we haven't really talked about them yet. Um, Eugenio Suarez looks like, he looks like he's probably going to make their opening day roster of the Reds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would assume, right? I mean, I mean, if he if he already has like what about two hundred and eighty at bats last year for the yeah, uh, eighty something games, 80, yeah. 80 games for uh, for the Tigers, I would imagine he would probably be you know in the running for one of our top middle infielder spots. If not, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what you know, they're going to do with Cozart? Yeah, and I, I I think that's really where you get the value from this deal from for Suarez because. You know, you have you have Zach Cozart, who's been the incumbent shortstop for a couple of years now. Obviously, we know we know what we're getting from Zach Cozart. Whiz defensively, you can't really hit much, and but there really hasn't been anyone in the system to challenge him. 
there's not really anybody nipping at his heels until you get down to maybe a ball. So not since the two trade and uh, Didi Gregorius. Yeah, yeah, he would look pretty good in Cincinnati right now. But uh, you know, so I I think that if this does anything, it kind of lights a fire under Zach Cozart and it's like, hey, if if you don't start you know pulling your weight in this lineup, there's another guy who can potentially do the same job as you, if not better. Mm-hmm. So I, I like it from that. It's, it's a- yeah, it's, it's a byproduct of what the Reds did as like a system uh, shift as a whole because mm-hmm. they did it with Frazier also. They had a couple guys who were pretty highly drafted. I mean, Kozart was, what, a second rounder and Frazier was a, a sandwich pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they didn't call either one of them up until they were, what, 26, something like that? Frazier, for 25, sure. 26 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. And so, I mean, Kozart's, and he's, he's 29 years old, but well, he's just now hitting arbitration. Yeah. So they've, they've gotten his good years, his cheap years – in line with his peak years. It's well, not like he's getting expensive at a younger age. And I think Suarez is the perfect complement to him in that he's uh, much, much younger, mm-hmm. has all of his cheap years in front of him, and brings that upside at the plate as well. And, you know, if it doesn't pan out, you really aren't out a whole lot. Well, uh, but you've also got a guy that, uh, well, aside from Alex Blandino, finally last year, the Reds haven't drafted middle infielders highly in right. several years either, so this kind of fills that yeah. void of yeah. had they spent a first or second round pick on a guy and it's as a middle infielder in 2011, 2010, they'd be coming up right now, and it's it's finally that one talented guy that has proven he can make it all the way to the big leagues to at least do something, right. and uh, that was a big void, a real big void in the system. And it also means that we don't necessarily need to rely on any other retreads, uh, Mm-hmm. In terms of middle infielder signings for utility players, well, we're we're not going to have to deal with uh, you know your annual selection of Wilson Valdez, Miguel Cairo, Cesar is Torres. Cesar is Torres. <laughs> You've got hopefully he's as good as Ramon Santiago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. He can bunt though. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> former Tiger Ramon Santiago. Yeah, so. I mean that's that's one thing that I th- is, and that's another. I don't know. That's another thing that I like about this signing is that, you know, even if, you know, Cozart goes out and, you know, does his thing and does well, you know, you still have Suarez as a guy who can come off the bench and, you know, he can play defense. He's apparently just fine at shortstop. He's probably not going to, he's not going to blow you away like Cozart will. He's decent on base too. And he can get on base. He can, you know... And the Reds really don't – they haven't really kept those guys around. They haven't had – you know, as you said, they've had Ramon Santiago's. They've had Cesar Isturis's as their bench guys. And those are guys getting at-bats seemingly in, you know, clutch situations. Yeah. You know, I'd much rather have a guy like Suarez there who's, you know, at least a guy who's going to be around for a little while getting those at-bats. Who's not going to bunt – in the bottom and of the ninth with one out. Yeah, right. And he's still a lot younger than some of the guys we have. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's let's start talking about the other deal. Um, Matt Latos goes to the Miami Marlins for um, pitcher Anthony Descalfani and the catcher Wallach, Chad Wallach. Yeah, Chad Wallach, son of Tim uh, Wallach. Tim Wallach. Yeah. 
Former former big leaguer. Yeah, former Dodger. Former Expo. At one point, yeah. Mostly known as former Expo, yeah. Uh, <laughs> spent spent his you know uh, years after his salad days with the Dodgers. Right. Yeah. And actually, I, I read this uh, on Twitter today. Apparently, Chad Wallach is the only member of the Wallachs, which he has two young or two brothers that are in baseball. He's the first one that hasn't played for the Dodgers organization. The wow. other, his both of his brothers play in the Dodgers organization. Then obviously his dad did. So um, you know, let's actually the uh, big. I, I think the big return is going to be Descalfani. Um He's a starting pitcher, right-hander. Um, was a pretty, I don't know, a pretty highly touted prospect. Mm-hmm. I think um, as far as a starting pitching prospect goes, I think he was probably, you know, when you look, when you look at who the Marlins had prospect-wise coming into the season, I think, you know, he was on the cusp. He got he got a couple of spot starts at the end of the year for the Marlins, and then, you know, I think he was probably squarely behind a guy like Andrew Heaney who. They traded yesterday. Would have been really, really nice if they would have just kept Heaney around for like another day. But because he, he very well could have been the uh, the return here. But when you when you look at Discalfani, I think you know you have you have a guy who's under team control for another six years. Um, and you know that's that's exactly what you want to get out of Matt Latos. Right. I mean, how, how do you think the Reds did? Well, I don't know. Matt Latos doesn't have the same fa- fastball, but he's always had excellent command. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I'm just being a bit of a duty head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. Well done. Oh, goodness. Uh that notwithstanding, uh, I, I, I think the Reds did what they had to do. They were in an uncomfortable situation. Of course, you're not going to be able to re-sign both Cueto and Latos, let alone Cueto's Leak and Latos. Mm-hmm. Cueto, Le- Leak, and Latos, yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're not going to, thankfully. Uh and you know the Reds saw a deal on the table, or they proposed a deal, and it's you know it's probably about as good as you're probably going to get. Yeah. And in terms of Latos, I know a lot of people have said, and if you look at his numbers, he's been an innings horse most of his career, uh, dating back to when he was 23 years old. The good side of it is, yeah, he's been an innings horse. The bad side of it is that he's got a lot of tread on those tires, right. and more importantly, we're about one year. After less than a year after elbow surgery, which, you know, is kind, you know, in most situations would be a big red flag uh, in terms of where he is, uh, you know, velocity wise and and in terms of what it could be. I'm sure it was a huge red flag for the Marlins. Well, I I figured that, you know, when you look at what you have in Matt Latos, I think that it's easy to look at what he brings to a team and think that maybe the Reds didn't get as much as they could have got. But when you take that into account, you know, Matt Latos has said elbow surgery. His value isn't what you would think it would be if he was fully healthy. Well, yeah, and then the converse is would he be that good on the field because of that if we held on to him? I mean, Cueto's mm-hmm. biggest issues have been his hips and his nips, mm-hmm. more or less. Right. 
So, and, you know, those aren't anything, those are not things that would ruin a pitcher's career unlike an elbow easily can. Right. And he had a flexor mass issue last year after yeah. the bone spur or bone chip removal bone surgery. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's not even meniscus included. I mean, yeah, I, that, there's, I mean, Matt Latos is, was, a, was a great pitcher for the Reds for two and a half years. He was a phenomenal pitcher for the Reds for two and a half years. Right. When the Reds traded for him, he was the best pitcher the Reds had traded for in a generation. I mean, right. he was a guy who every, when he, since Danny Nagel. Yeah, I mean, the moment the deal was made, it was, wow, the Reds actually had, A, they had a farm system good enough to go get somebody, and right. B, they actually had a pitcher that they went out and got that was young, established, and under team control, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, he basically lived up to everything the Reds could have hoped for. I mean... Yeah, I think so. A, yeah. a 330 ERA, two 200-inning seasons, and- one... Injury to shortened season, which I mean, two out of three for a pitcher in Major League Baseball these days is about as that's as good as you can hope for. Right. And he did it all making what, like, ten million bucks total. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's 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 frustrating to see him leave when he didn't get to have as good of a twenty fourteen as you would have hoped for. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same point, if you can't keep him past this year. You can't afford to let him establish his value back and then try to trade him again if you know you're not going to keep him because what if he doesn't, you know? Right. He's a notorious slow starter, for one. Um, I know his career area in, in March and April is significantly higher than it is in the rest of the months. Um, yeah. So if he comes out and does what he normally does and has a 470 ERA through March, you does might that not, increase his trade value because he's I mean, healthy? You might not be able to get a Discalfani for him even yeah. so at that yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, you know, by the trade deadline, that's right when he's heating up. But, of course, he's yeah. still lugged down a bit. So, yeah. you know, offseason is probably the best time to trade him. I mean, and I, I, can see, I can see that that argument, though. I can see that maybe, you know, it, it may have made sense for them to hold on to him and, you know, just to see – See where they are at the midpoint next season. See if there's something that you can do then and get more. But then again, another another wrinkle to this is that you know reportedly the Reds won't be able to wouldn't be able to make any more moves until they got rid of some payroll. So I think that you know getting rid of Latos will free them up to do do more work now as opposed to. You know, maybe potentially getting more for them later, and, and they could afford to do that with a couple of their starters. They could afford to mm-hmm. do that with two, maybe three, but probably more than just two. They could afford to hold on to guys and see what happens in 2015. And if nothing works out, the team's not winning, and they can't sign them long term. They can trade them, and right. they've opted to do that with Leak, who's been healthy, mm-hmm. and Cueto, who is well, who was the best right-handed pitcher in probably baseball last year. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not a, a an indictment of how good Latos could be, was, or should be, but they basically went with the guy that they know is durable and healthy, and the guy who, top-end-wise, is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to fault them for that because they knew they had to pick, and that's how they pick. You know? yeah. I, yeah, I don't... I don't really fault them for keeping leak either um you know obviously you know what 
Matt Latos is capable of just with his stuff alone. With with Mike Leak, I, I think that you have an undervalued asset. I think mm-hmm. that he's the he's the kind of guy where when you when you look at how other teams view these guys, you know, when when another team is trying to acquire Matt Latos, they're gonna give up more for Matt Latos than they are Mike Leak, even though, you know, when you look at their value numbers wise, it's it's a lot closer than you would think just by their perception. Yeah, I mean, Leak, Leak from what it seems like also, because of that, the market isn't going to be as high of a demand for him mm-hmm. than, you know, Matt Latos. If Latos were to hit the market, let's say in 2015, like what he's probably going to do, he's probably going to get a deal somewhere between what, you know, best case scenario, what Homer Bailey got and... You know, on the higher end, what Lester got, probably aiming a little I mean, bit more towards what Lester got. Yeah. Leak, you're looking at somebody that he puts up good numbers. They're not very sexy because, of course, he doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, well, have, have he those. Pow- he's not a power pitcher he by any He doesn't throw sort. 95. Right. He's not six foot six. Right, but he know? put, but he put, yeah, he doesn't have the he, ones that make the, you know, the scouts, you know, folk froth at the mouth, but mm-hmm. he gets the job done, and he gets the job done efficiently, much in the same way that, you know, Bronson did, yeah. and we were able, up until, you know, he was 35 years old, uh, afford him to mid-range deals that really paid him more like a three-starter when he was given, you know, uh, returns more like a two-starter. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, the big is, uh, he's, he's a go-go caliber defender as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he adds value with a bat. Yeah, he's a silver slugger, basically, too, yeah. Probably got one or two of those in each He's he's nearly a a one-win-per-year guy as an offensive player. Right. um, Or as a field player, I guess, with defense factor then. Uh, And that that has value. It's got a ton of value. And, uh, you know, perhaps the Reds look up and see that guys like Irvin Santana and Ricky Nolasco and, you know, the the mid-rotation starters that have been healthy are signing for – what like you know, four years and forty five million. Yeah, Mc- Brandon McCarthy got four for four, four for forty eight. Yeah, which yeah, four for forty eight is I ridiculous. Mean, they might That's... look up and say, "We want to keep Leak, and we can do that." Because Leak's still young too. I mean, he's not signing four forty eight as McCarthy's age. He's doing it right. in his prime. Right. So maybe they said, "Hey, with our budget restrictions as they are, that's what we're looking at for him." Whereas Latos is looking up at. That 6-120 level, well, you know? Y- yeah, I, I think I look at, you know, how Latos will be seen going on to the trade market. And I don't think there's any way he doesn't go get John Lester money. He doesn't get that $150 million payday. Yeah. And meanwhile, Cueto, if he hits the market, he's probably looking at about two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Cueto, like Cueto's probably up, right up there, yeah. too. And, you yeah, know... Well, it, whatever Scherzer pulls off in the next... Several weeks, uh, probably Yankee money. Uh, that's going to go a long way in deciding a lot of what Guido gets. And uh, right, it's where we we should be thankful that we get to enjoy whatever Johnny Guido brings between <laughs> now and whenever he leaves the Reds. Because I don't think there's any way that this market's going to allow them to keep him. Um, and that sucks. But at the same point, if that means another 200 inning season of uh, Johnny doing what Johnny does. I, I think that's worth holding on to and just seeing what happens. Because um, he's uh, 
he's as special of a pitcher as the Reds have had um, in a generation. You know, he's he's as good as mm-hmm. Jose Rijo was, only healthier. Yeah, he's and as good as as Rijo and as Soto. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's in he, that same thing. He, he's easily one of probably the five to ten best pitchers to ever pitch for the Reds in terms yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of just per season performance, uh, the issue, of course, is that what do we want to do with him? Is going to be something that we're going to have to see of how we're doing in 2015. And you know, as right now, in terms of trying to look at this with as rosy tinted glasses as I can, mm-hmm. it make you know I am starting to become used to the fact that we're probably not going to see him in 2016. And that, that may not necessarily be a bad thing when you look at having to overpay for people after their age 30 year, uh, when you're looking either at position players or pitchers. Uh, just and It's probably because I'm jaded by the Brandon Phillips contract right now. Because honestly, right. in hindsight, it would have been great if he moved. If he moved on. Uh, prior to him being a five and ten, right. and not having to, you know, be hamstrung by that contract, which affects the ability to retain younger and probably more talented and more valuable players. Yeah, I mean, you have to. We have to keep in mind too that, you know, despite the the way the yeah. payrolls are going in Major League Baseball, the Reds are still a small market team. You know, they're still they're they're not getting the same TV money as the Dodgers are. They're not. They don't have the same type of just throw money at every problem ownership group. So, you know, it's you – know, they are operating under more tighter restrictions. And, you know, it's it's still going to be – you know, they're going to find a way to work around some of these with, you know, like with the Joey Votto contract, the Homer Bailey contract. You know, they're, they're going to find a way to – make those moves that make sense. But at the same time, does, does paying $24 million a year for Johnny Cueto in his age 35 season make sense for the Reds? Not when he's pitching every you know, fifth day if he's healthy. You know, it's... And, and, and for all intents and purposes, the Reds went a really, really, really long time without having a lot of players that were good enough have to make these decisions. About That's true. Them, you yeah. know, I mean, from mid nineties to uh, to what? When Dunn got traded? Yeah. So Dunn Dunn was the last guy that they that they really were they had to trade him or else he was about to make more money. Because nobody else that they traded away was a big <laughs> loss, and nobody else that they kept was good enough to reach a point where they couldn't sign him to a huge deal and had to get rid of him. I mean, there wasn't mm-hmm. anybody. I mean. The 2006 trades where they sent Felipe Lopez and Kearns out, that was tough. But that was literally like the only thing for a decade that the Reds actually had to deal with getting rid of a good player. Mm. And this is the byproduct. This is what happens when you win two division titles with the mm. same core. It's what happens when you go to the playoffs three out of four times with the same core. Um, you can't keep them all. That's the nature of how business works and you know, it, it sucks to not be able to, to necessarily pull it off and keep everybody and, you know, pay everybody through the moon. But at the same point, when you win, you look up, and that's how it happens every single time with every franchise. If you're good enough to win, 
you're good enough to get paid two years later, and that's that's where the Reds are. Um, so it's so, uh, this is this is 2012 in the making, right so here. Prediction time. So just off off the agenda, real quick. So you know now that they made they made the they had four guys with expiring contracts after 2015 coming into this morning. They now have two. They have Cueto and Leak. What are the odds that they're going to extend one of those guys at this point? What do you think? I think there's probably an 85% probability that they'll extend Leak. I think there's about a 2% probability that they'd extend Cueto. What do you think, Quick? That's a that's a hard versus head decision. Um, you know, my, my my premise has always been: if you've got somebody that's elite enough to get you a six to seven win season, you pay for it because those guys are uh, not a dime a dozen. They come along zero percent of the time statistically. Um, that's why you keep Votto because even if he's not worth two hundred and fifty million, if he's only worth one hundred seventy-five million, you've got a guy who's worth one hundred seventy-five million on your team, and you pay a premium to keep that. Mm-hmm. So I I. I look up at the fact that the Reds have been willing to give those kind of extensions and say maybe there's a chance they give Cueto $180 million over six years, and he takes it. And Castellini seems like he's got that kind of an inkling as well. So I'll give Cueto signing – I'll give it a 30% chance. I don't think it's really going to happen. Mm. But it wouldn't surprise me based on what they've done. Leak. He's a home-drafted guy. He's done everything they expected him to do from day one. He's turned out to be exactly the kind of durable, not flashy number three starter that they wanted. Um, I, I, I give them a high percentage of signing him as well because I think when they don't get a chance to re-sign Guido, they bring me back on a four-year, $50 million-ish deal, and I give that like a 75% chance because uh, yeah. I think that's what they'll do. But, man... I, I don't I don't see how you let Cueto go. He's just like I don't see how you let Votto go. Pitchers that good just don't exist that often. Yeah, you know? and I I I kind of fall into that too. Where I think that you know I think it's pretty likely that they're gonna do at least one of them. Ideally, you'd want to do both for different reasons. You know, I think that as you said, Cueto is the kind of talent that you want on your team. You want to build a franchise around Johnny Cueto. But then again, when you have Leak, you know you have a guy who's probably you're probably getting more value per year from Leak for what you're paying him. Right. And, you're, and he's not going to cost you as much as Cueto will. So you look up, and, and there's been a lot of comments about how the Reds are you know punting for 2015 and moving forward. Uh, you look I, up, and there's still a chance. That I don't. Yeah, Reds I don't. Have, the best right-handed starter in baseball. I don't the think that's the case at all. In baseball and the best reliever in baseball, and all on the same team for next year. And if they can upgrade the, you know, the lineup one to nine, there's no reason why they they can't at least be in contention. Yeah, and I know this is easier said than done, but really, all you do, all you need is just probably minor-ish upgrades in your everyday nine. That maybe two possessions, obviously left field, and maybe shortstop if we're assuming that a platoon with between Suarez and uh, uh, Cozart is what 
we think it could be. Honestly, it depends on Votto. Who the heck knows how healthy he is? And if yeah. he's healthy, man, you know our lineup well, is a lot better on uh, on paper than it was last year. Well, you know, Votto's healthy. You know, yeah. they have they have all stars at what five six positions on the diamond, and then. And Bruce, too. I mean, well, Bruce, yeah. I was counting Bruce in that. Well, I mean, we didn't even have Bruce really after last year either. Yeah. I mean, he was he was non-existent as I well. Mean, I mean, and obviously it's it's an assumption that everyone's healthy, but then again, so was last year. Well, last year so, was a disaster year. Everybody right, was hurt. Uh, everyone's hurt, <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I think that there's probably still I, – I, I wouldn't say at all that they're going to be throwing away 2015 right now, based on what we've seen. Now – you know, they could go out tomorrow and trade Cueto and Jay Bruce, and, you know, we could we could very well have a different tune on this. But, you know, um, actually, let's let's kind of segue into that. Um, you know, there was there was a couple of rumored moves throughout the winter meetings that didn't come to fruition. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of talk about the Red starters and not, you know, outside of the ones that they did trade. Um, it yeah, it sounds like they were kind of kicking the tires on Mike Leake going a couple places. They were thinking maybe Jay Bruce was getting mentioned by Baltimore. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Where where do we want to go with this? Do we want to talk about Jay Bruce? Or do we want to talk about um, more moves the Reds can make? Because I, I don't know. I mean, should we talk about the possibility of Jay Bruce being traded and what that means for the 2015 Reds? What do you think? I mean, it kind of depresses me for a couple <laughs> of reasons. I mean, first is that, you know, I like watching Jay Bruce play a lot. I like watching him in the outfield a lot. I like him at bat. Uh, you know, and it also depresses me because it also seems that if we were to trade him at this juncture, we would be trading him at a point where his value would probably be as low as it's probably been at any point of him being a major leaguer. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that, you know... Maybe even before that. (laughs) I I honestly think with the guy's work ethic and his ability to, uh, you know, bounce back previously when it comes to these circumstances, you know, he's undervalued on the market as opposed to what he could probably... uh, give us in terms of production. Right. There was one player in all of baseball who had a larger year-over-year drop in Fangraph's war than mm-hmm. Jay Bruce, and that was Chris Davis. And Chris Davis wasn't necessarily hurt last year. Bruce was. He went from like a five-win player to almost a negative two-win player. <laughs> um, and that's... I, it, it, it's kind of hard to fathom because... It's Jay Bruce, you know, he's a guy who's a multiple-time All-Star. He has 30 home runs. He is streaky as hell, and yet that's a six-win, almost seven-win drop mm. um, in value. And, you know, to trade him, you know, I've, I've said multiple times on multiple platforms, it doesn't matter. You're not selling a higher or selling low based on what they did last season. You're selling higher or selling low based on what somebody wants to give you in return. So Jay Bruce could have hit 115 with five home runs and been healthy all year last year, and if somebody wants to trade you Mike Trout, you're not selling low. You're Mm -hmm. getting something great. So to put him on the market on this offseason where there are 
you know, offensive bats are few and far between and pitchers are everywhere. I understand what Walt Jockey did in that because Bruce has three years under contract with an option. Uh, they're pretty reasonable with the money that's getting thrown around these days. And if somebody wants to pay you for Jay Bruce, the 30 home run, 100 RBI guy, regardless of what happened last year, maybe you listen on that. I mean, payroll's tight, and you look up at what Matt Kemp brought in return this year, who's two years older and more injury-prone than Jay's been, and they got a guy in Grandall who everybody knows I'm still infatuated with as a prospect, uh, and a couple first-round draft pick arms. I mean, mm-hmm. if somebody wants to give you that for Jay Bruce, it doesn't matter what he did last year. You listen. Um, so I... I, I never thought the, the talks were really that serious. But in this age of, you know, no power and whatever, you listen on a guy like that. And I think that's the prudent thing to do. And uh, I don't see him getting moved right now because I don't think anybody's going to overwhelm him. But I think that's just a smart thing to do for a guy that, uh, in Walt Jockey, that has a payroll crunch that he's trying to sort his way through. So Yeah, it, it, I have kind of a really... I don't even know if it's a good comparison, but when I I, I understand that we're dealing with the possible, you know, uh, micro market where, of course, supply and demand are, you know, the laws of supply and demand don't really have as strong of an influence as as opposed to a team's uh, niche needs. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we also don't want to overlook the value that a player's potential upside has for our team with before, you know, we take a close examination of how he's progressing uh, injury wise. Right. Right. And I, I, I think that, you know, when you, when you talk about the potential of that, you know, it seemed, it always seemed to me like if the Reds were serious about trading Jay Bruce, that it would have to be, they'd have to be blown away by what they get back. And, you know, I, I think that if they were to, like, just in a completely hypothetical world where, where they find an offer that they deem acceptable, it's going to be for guys who can jump in and help the team right now. It's going to be for a guy who they can plug right into the lineup. It's going to be for a starting pitcher that they can put right in the rotation who's cost-controlled. Just simple economics. You know. Had Jay Bruce been healthy, hit 260 with 27 home runs, and played 150 games, there would have been no Jay Bruce rumors this offseason. <laughs> Jay Bruce had a terrible down year. Well, yeah, and it, it, other and, teams, other teams want to buy low. You know? Right. I mean, that's 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 what you do. You look to buy bargains. Jay Bruce had a terrible year, and other teams look up and. Dude brings a lot to the table when he's healthy. Yeah. They're asking on him. That's I think that's pretty much all it was. Is right. that teams looked up and said, hey, maybe they'll dump him because they think he's terrible. And had he <laughs> just had a normal Jay Bruce year, you'd have heard no rumors because well, Jay Bruce is Jay Bruce and you and don't shop him. Right, but because, I think, well, 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 it's prudent to listen because, yeah, I mean, heck, he's still, what, he'll be 28 next year? Right. That's, well, <laughs> he's, and, his you know, he's got a lot of good baseball. Yeah. And when you look at value – you know, for what you get from Jay Bruce. If Jay Bruce is having a Jay Bruce year and he's getting paid that contract, that very team-friendly contract, then, you know, exactly, it's a bargain. And that's, that, you know, when you think of other teams, exactly as you said, other teams are looking at that and saying, well, you know, 
Cincinnati's trying to dump salary, you know, here's a guy that we could, you know, fit in. And if he's, you know, if he's healthy, he's going to completely be worth it. But, you know, if you're the Reds and you're still trying to dump salary, Jay Bruce is like, that's not where you do that at. You know? No. No, you, 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 up and said, hey, uh, 12 months ago, when we were kicking around names that we knew were on the market, Jay Bruce was a 26-year-old outfielder who was a five-win outfielder on a team-friendly contract. Right. Like, how much does 12 months really change what your valuation of him is when you know he had a torn meniscus and it sapped his everything, you know? I mean, so, yeah, it's – I, I give other teams props for their due diligence for checking in on Jay Bruce because sure. they'd be stupid not to, but I also give a lot of credit to Walt Jockey to basically say, yeah, well, listen, because who knows what's will who knows we'll end up on your front porch, but we're so, not shopping him. Yeah, you know, um, give you Kemp and uh, you know a couple other of the Dodger <laughs> outfielders. Sure, I'll take it. Yeah, you know, Quig, <laughs> Kemp and Quig. I'll take that. Maybe Trout, but I'd have to get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Um, you know, so the Reds did a lot today um, to improve. I don't know, to improve their situation, we should say. I, I don't know if we can say that they improved their roster today, but they improved their situation today. Um, where do the Reds go from here? You know, there's still a couple of months before spring training. There's plenty of time to do moves. There's probably – there's a couple of free agents still on the market um, at plenty of spots. What – where – when you look at the roadmap for the Reds, what's the next stop? Well, you can't have Skip Schumacher be your starting left fielder. I mean, you can't. You should hold open tryouts at Great American Ballpark <laughs> for anybody willing to anybody willing to try out. You give them a glove, you give them a bat, and see if they can outperform Skip Schumacher. Uh, and because honestly, you. That would be absolutely ridiculous if he's penciled in there. Right. So you're left with a couple of things. You're left with doing what Walt did a couple of years ago in terms of signing, you know, uh, just guys off the block. You know, that's when he took a uh, a flyer on Ryan Ludwig, and it paid off that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't get into the extensions, but mm-hmm. but you did the same thing with Johnny Gomes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I'm hoping and I'm, uh, you know, optimistic that those guys will be around to at least improve on where we're at now. And they're probably going to be at their worst comparable to the type of offensive production that you would have gotten uh, from Chris Heisey. So I don't think that we'd be in that terrible of a situation. And I think everybody that's saying that we need to immediately unload our farm system in order to get a left fielder is ridiculous because if you just have a little bit of patience, Winker would, might be available, who knows, maybe as quickly as uh, as, as July, mm-hmm. depending on how far he progresses in the minor leagues. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I look up and I'm saying, okay, um, we've seen the reports that the Reds were $17 million over budget, and that was... Mentioned specifically by Ken Rosenthal, and while we don't have the books in front of us and know that $17 million is the number, it is convenient to note that if you add up, you know, uh, non-tendering Logan Andrusik, trading Chris Eisey, 
uh, trading Matt Latos and trading Alfredo Simon is roughly $17 million, and Walt now has said publicly that they have the flexibility to be able to go and do things. What it sounds like to me is they weren't $17, $17 million over the payroll that is already allocated. It sounds to me like they have budgeted money to go get a left fielder for next year. And with that money factored in, they had to shed $17 million to be able to get that left fielder. I don't think they're going after anybody who's perennial all-star, 22 years old, ready to you know break out and be the next superstar. But they're looking at guys like a Mike Morris, who I think they can bring in, and if he stays healthy, like Ryan Ludwig, can provide value to a team and get you 500, 550 at-bats in left field. Um, how much of an impact that really has on 2015 is minimal, but that's the point. The whole offseason premise was less about who they can bring in to change the game and more about whether or not Joey Votto, Jay Bruce, Brandon Phillips, and Johnny Cueto can replicate or improve upon what they did last year. Because for all intents and purposes, you've played your cards already. Like, that is that is the Reds' team. There's no all-season signing that's going to change that. Well, and, you know, you I bring, think they'll go out and try to do that and um, see what happens, you know? You bring up a good point, though. I mean, when, when you look at what the Reds have invested already, they have, you know, Joey Votto's going to be out there every day. Jay Bruce is going to be out there every day. Brandon Phillips is going to be out there every day. If if those guys are either still hurt or not performing, the Reds don't have a shot anyway. Yeah, they get no so shot. So there's no yeah. reason for them to go go get a you know top tier outfielder if that's going to be the case. You know they, they have to rely on the guys I mean, that they scheduled to rely on. Mike Mike Trout was a, a ten win outfielder for two years, <laughs> and the Angels didn't make the playoffs because their rotation sucked. holes was hurt. Hamilton was hurt. Like, mm-hmm. you've got to have the guys that are taking up the bulk of your payroll do what they're supposed to do, and that's what will carry you well, going forward. Especially and when you're a small market. Right. Regardless of who's in left field. Right. I mean, what do you – I mean, should they even entertain the thought of maybe going out and getting a Justin Upton, who's reportedly could be on the block? Now he's arb eligible at the end of this year, isn't he? I don't know he's a free agent after this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, he's a one-year rental. Ugh. Is one one year for fourteen million bucks, but they're looking for but projectionable young. They, I mean, if that was the case, they're then looking I would have for what we them, have. Yeah, if that were the case, mm-hmm. I would have, you know, preferred that they would have ponied up something comparable to what the Cardinals did in getting Hayward, as opposed to Upton. But at the same time, they've they have they just went out and got two more of those arms today. Yeah, that the Braves yeah. are so. Apparently enamored with, you know. Yeah, if you, if you can if you can trade if you can uh, do Desmafani and Renzen. Yeah, exactly. If you, I mean, would I mean, you could do you, that? Yeah. Would for, you flip for, Upton? for Justin Upton? I mean, could that be what Walt was freeing up the money for? I don't know. Does that mean we have to take BJ with him? <laughs> is that was that part of the deal? <laughs> it might be. Is, is that, <laughs> I mean, you wait, get your wait, own wait, toxic wait. asset brother. <laughs> But when the, when, when the top 100 lists come out, Lorenzen's going to be squarely 50 to 75 mm-hmm. by most everybody. Um, and that's with a limited pitching repertoire that's improving. Uh, then Scafani, uh, they've already listed him higher than Ben Lively and 
uh, some of the other established uh, Reds prospects. Phil Irvin, who was the top 100 prospect last year. If, if you and can do it. Them, and Stevenson you know, still say, yeah. the top 100. If you can do it without giving up Stevenson, I mean. Yeah, no Stevenson, no Winker, well, and you get a chance to go for it this year. I, I mean, I, I think, that the, I think that's a really interesting proposal, and I think that it's something that, you know, I – I have a feeling it's probably somewhere. It's been discussed in the Reds front office somewhere. Yeah. Um, whether or not that's the the trigger that they decide to pull, I mean, I, I think that that would definitely signal their intentions for for 2015 pretty nicely. And as long as they could I mean, patch together they, a rotation with that, I mean, oof. I mean, much like Cueto, if you go and get up and, and things don't work out, you can still trade him again at the deadline. Right. That's... That's the Billy Bean strategy. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's it's a uh, it's an interesting thought process because the Reds aren't fully punting on 2015 based on today because they've still got, right. like I mentioned earlier, they got you know Orlando Chapman, they got Johnny Cueto, they got Joey Votto, they've got Jay Bruce, they've got a lot of guys well, who can be really really good next year. Um, but you know, what 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 move do they make? Do they go marginal at this point, or do they go well, big splash? I, I, I they think do have that, a pile of arms that they could trade from. You know, as as much as we've seen get, I don't know, sorted out today, there's still plenty that still hasn't been. You know, I think the mantra going into, I, I mean, the mantra that we've heard all offseason has been, you know, either the Reds are going to go all in or they're going to go all out. And, you know, it really, and I don't think that we're any closer to a conclusion there. I don't think that we know this is what the Reds are going to do yet. As much as, you know, it hurts losing Matt Latos, it you know, hurts losing Alfredo Simon, those are guys that are going to be productive major leaguers next year for somebody and not you. Um, it's, you know, it, we're still not at the point where, you, we can definitively say that the Reds are giving up on 2015. I, I still, you know. And if you, if you look at Walt Jockney over the last couple of years, he's had the opportunity to really go all in or really go all out mm-hmm. and hadn't done either every year. Right. You know? I mean, he went out and got Chew, but he you gave know, up Latos and he it, gave up. It'd be, up, it'd be uh, interesting if they didn't make any more big moves. If they went out and got, yeah. got somebody, something small for left field. If they, if they went out and if they waited out Melky Cabrera for left field Duh. or something, I mean, you could – I mean, we, we definitely say that, but at the same time, he'd be an upgrade over Skip Schumacher. And he probably – if you wait long until enough, he, he's I, not going to cost you very much. Well, here's the thing. Until he gets his – actually, second time around, his 100-game suspension, then we're stuck with Skip Schumacher <laughs> for 400 at-bats. <laughs> right. You say that. Yeah. But I – yeah, I, I think there's still plenty to be decided, and I, I, I definitely don't think the Reds are done. But um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting. I think that you know we've we've seen the first few steps of oh, the Reds' yeah. offseason journey. Oh, I swear, Skip and, Schumacher is such a great foil to this <laughs> podcast. Every great podcast has a great foil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ours is Skip Schumacher. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, with that, I, I think we're going to wrap things up. I think we're going right about an hour-ish. So, um, 
Make sure to visit us at the website, redreporter.com. Definitely follow us on iTunes, where you'll get a new podcast every couple months or so. Every quarter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is along this is, with your along with your quarterly profit and loss statements, you will get a podcast. <laughs> we should probably just name this podcast Q4 2014. Yeah, <laughs> because that's about that's about how often that uh, these have been coming out. But uh, make oh, sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. We didn't have a reason until today, anyway. Yeah. Well, to to be fair, we were going to have a podcast today. Before the moves happened, mm-hmm. we had this scheduled. Yep. And we, I had a just whole, luckily. I had a book full of Walt Jockety as a sleep jokes, just ready <laughs> oh, at the helm. Now I've got to wait on those until at least July. I had, I had Jitterbug commercials queued up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Blew it all up. Uh, it's unfortunate. Well. Yeah, make sure to come come visit us at redreporter.com. Um, that's about it, guys, right? Yeah. Don't plagiarize Grant Brisby when you have an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're word to the wise, if you're commenting on Red Reporter, make sure it's your own comment and not copy and paste it from somewhere else on SB Nation. <laughs> uh, that would go pretty far for your... Your reputation? Yeah, that that uh, <laughs> when you see a hot take and you just copy and paste it, it's a microwaved take, and it's just not as good the first time or as the first time around. It's like Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll 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 leave you guys on that uh, for hey, Scott. Hey, how about we leave on this? Okay. Thank you, thank you, Matt Latos, for a kick-ass three years. Absolutely. Um, thank you, thank you, Dallas Latos. Yes, thank you. Thank Dallas, you Dallas has always been a friend to Red Reporter, so um, yes, you know I. Uh, and actually, from reading all of their comments today, you know uh, they've been very classy about this whole thing. You know, it's it's baseball's a business. It sucks keeping. It sucks losing people who, you know, want to be here. And you know, it's it's rough. It's it's not it's not easy, yeah. but you know. Good luck. Good luck to the Latoses in the future, for sure. Yes, good luck to them. Enjoy South Florida again. Um, pitch very, 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 very well for a team that looks to be very up and coming for next year. And I hope that it works out for them. And uh, long term, contract wise, turns out to be a fruitful move for both of them because uh, they uh, they gave a lot to Cincinnati while they were here for three years and. Um, yeah, as Walt mentioned in his interview with, uh, I guess it was with C. Trent earlier this uh, earlier today, mm-hmm. he wanted to make sure he sent Matt to a place that he had a chance to win and that he felt comfortable in, and so uh, hopefully that works out. So, yep, thank it, you, Matt. Yeah, it, it, it's good to see our our ownership doing right by the players. That's you know, we're we're not doing to Matt what the Padres did to Matt, and I, I appreciate exactly. that. Exactly. They exactly. tebowed themselves. They they did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for for Scott and Wick, I'm Brandon. Peace out.